Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Beelis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. In this week's episode, we are digging into the topic of finances. Money can often be a blind spot for many of us, myself included. So we're excited to learn how we can steward well what God has entrusted us with. We're particularly excited to share this episode with you because it's actually a live recording of a conversation that I got to have with Jen Wilkin and Elizabeth Woodson at the Gospel Coalition Women's Conference back in June. Welcome uh, at a distance to all of the people who are watching online. So we're so glad that you're able to join us, whether you're near or far. Uh, Today, our topic is a fun one. We were just chatting about how we are a little bit nervous about the topic of honoring God with our bank accounts. So... Uh, before we dig in, I'll tell you a little bit about our guests. I'm sure all of you know Jen Wilkin. You're probably here to see her. Uh, Jen is a Bible teacher. She's an author. Uh, she's very invested in her local church. I have read many Jen Wilkin books. I read Jen Wilkin books before I started Journey Women, and I enjoyed Jen Wilkin books and loved Jen Wilkin at a distance, but now get to call her friend. And I have to tell you, she's just as cool as you think she is. Uh, the most cool thing about her... I have to say is that she really does know and love God and his word. Uh, And she used to intimidate me a lot. (laughs) Uh, And she will probably throw some dry humor my way and I probably won't understand it. So let's all just laugh together. And then I have my newer friend, Elizabeth Woodson, who is absolutely wonderful. You may have heard her recently on Journey Women. She has recently released a book because, man, you do so many things. It's hard to describe you in just a few words. Uh, she has a new book, Embrace Your Life, How to Find Joy When the Life You Have is Not the Life You've Hoped For. Um, I need to reread that soon, by the way. <laughs> and she, uh, she is a Bible teacher, and she has a brand new Bible study called From Beginning to Forever that's going to be published with Lifeway soon. So such a joy to get to learn from you guys in this capacity today, especially about a topic that's really intimidating. Uh, We were actually just discussing as we took our seats, uh, I'm hoping a lightning bolt doesn't come strike me as I speak because I'm like, oh, you want me to talk about money? Sure. Yeah. There's a little bit of fear and trembling when it comes to this topic. And I have to tell you that I originally uh, thought of Elizabeth when I was trying to discern who to have on as a guest, because the, the Gospel Coalition did ask us to do Honoring God with Your Bank Account. It wouldn't have been my topic of choice, but I'm super excited. <laughs> this um, is going to go great. It's going to be great. 
And Elizabeth has a really interesting story. I learned it on the first interview that I did with you. So I'd love to hear just a little bit more about your relationship with money and just kind of what your kind of financial peace story yeah. has been, for lack of a better uh, way of phrasing it. Well, this story is my relationship with the lack of money. <laughs> And how I made a way. Uh, I am actually from Indianapolis, so it is fun to be here and be here in my hometown. And so I went to school in Chicago, went to school for accounting. I have a business background, and I was doing ministry at my local church. And long story short, I really felt like I needed to go to seminary. And so in 2010, I quit my job, a job with full benefits, good pay, packed up my car, and drove 1,000 miles down to Dallas, Texas. I had a little money saved up. I did not have a job, and the Lord provided a way. And I remember one of my, it's a fond memory, but I was crying at the particular time. <laughs> and in my, one of my favorite things to do was to see the skyline of Chicago every time I would come up from Indianapolis. And I was looking in my rearview mirror, and I saw the skyline, and I was like, I'm, never gonna, I'm not going to see it in the same way for a really long time. And it hit me, because I had all this adrenaline, I'm moving, I'm doing this new thing, and then I'm like... I'm moving, I'm doing this new thing. And I'm really trusting the Lord because I only have so much funds to cover what I believe God gave me. And my first semester at DTS, I went to Dallas Theological Seminary, God provided me a job that ended up paying for my time at DTS. I did not know that before I went. And he did thing after thing after thing that matched that. And it was just, Lord, I'm gonna trust you with my finances and you're gonna make a way. And he did. That's awesome. What about you, Jen? Yeah, I, I think I, I try to think, you know, it's interesting, like when you do premarital counseling or something, they ask you about your home of origin. And I think we don't always reflect on how much our home of origin has impacted the way that we think about money. And in my case, I was raised by a father who grew up extremely poor, like um, he and his siblings had lost most of their teeth by the time they graduated from high school because of the poor nutrition that they had. First time he went to a dentist was when he joined the army. So like that kind of not, not much money. And then my mom came from sort of an upper middle class family and those two colliding um, approaches to money it left me sort of somewhere in the middle where I was never really sure how to relate to it. Um, and then I met Jeff and we got married and, and he is a super great guy who after two years of us being married and me paying the bills was like, I just really would like to do that instead of you. I was not failing. I was not failing. I have an MBA. I can read a spreadsheet, but he like cared about it way more than I did. And I think that some of it for me is like, I just don't want to think about it because I feel like it colors my decisions in a way that I don't want it to. And so um, I would say that's where I am now. Like, I'm so thankful that he is the one who's willing to like just knuckle down and figure out where to put the money and how to make the money make sense. But I think sometimes that makes me too detached from it in a way that I'm not necessarily analyzing the purchasing choices that I do have the way that I should. So yeah, I'm a money expert and can't wait to share all my wisdom with you. <laughs> Relatable. Uh, you know, I think this has been one of the things that has been the most difficult for me on a personal level, um, just to be honest about. And then within our marriage, it's really caused a lot of conflict, mainly because of my own insecurity. Like, I always come to those conversations just really uh, teary and ready to be corrected because I just know uh, I have a lot to learn. So why do you think it is that we have so much trouble with managing money, talking about it, and just understanding how can we glorify God with, with our money? Yeah, you know, I think Jen brought up a really good point is that a lot of it's what we've learned and what's normal to us. And so for some of us, what's normal is have a good time. The money will make its way to us somehow, somewhere. We don't really pay attention to it. 
For others, we pay attention to every single detail. Um, and sometimes that's because you had to. Like Everybody has a unique story, but really when it gets down to the root of it, am I willing to steward the resource that I've been given the way God has called me to do? And that's individuals in some moments, because sometimes the Lord wants you to, to give and be generous, and that generosity takes you outside of your comfort zone. But do I have the faith enough to do that? And we love control, because control, we feel like we have all the answers. We don't. Um, but it feels a lot more comfortable sometimes in faith. And so I think it's knowing our story, but also what is God calling me to do? And sometimes we don't want to do that. Well, I know I have a lot that could be changed. I actually have a friend in the room who we joke uh, many times about going on a spending freeze. And it's when I know I've done the thing of like overspending, you know, and then Brooks and I will look at each other and we're like, spending freeze? Yeah, spending freeze. Uh, <laughs> So, you know, that's a temporary change, right? But we need true heart change. We need lasting change. So what is going to lead to, like, true lasting change in our relationship with money? Jen? Well, I think for me the, the principle that's been pivotal is the idea uh, that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, not because he purchased them, but because he made them, right? Everything that we can perceive is his. And so once we flip the switch from ownership to stewardship, everything should look different to the believer. I don't actually own anything, you know, in the sense that the unbeliever might think of ownership. And, and so when you recognize that everything that you have belongs to someone else, you treat it differently. Like I've talked about this before, like um, you might be tempted to steal the towels from your hotel room when you check out. Please don't. But if you were staying at the home of a friend, would you steal the towels? No, right? Because you know that person and you would not. So like the further removed we are from the owner, the more likely we are to appropriate whatever we see as our own. And so the further that we are removed in our understanding of God's ownership of everything, the more we will understand the things that we possess determinate on us. And so when we change our paradigm to one of, I'm taking care of some things that have been entrusted to me, then we view ourselves not as a terminus for wealth, but as a distribution point for wealth. And that, that's just a complete game changer. What are some things that have helped you guys keep that top of mind, like in your spending? Because when I pull back and reflect on this, of course, I naturally begin to think biblically and then, you know, and it does take some work. But when I'm at Target, you know, like... <laughs> How does, that, how does that, how do you help make that connection? When I have the new shirt in my hand and I'm like, no, no, Jen already has this shirt. Elizabeth and I, we have a dark past related to Target. Elizabeth and I have been colleagues for a number of years and we routinely would show up at work in the same, the same thing. It is true. We both From looked Target. really good. This is also true. And people often got us confused. <laughs> You're feeling good today. But I got to the point where I was like, I would get there and I'd be like, wait a minute, how, how long has this been here? Has Elizabeth gotten here before me or can I buy this? And so, yeah, that whole thing where you're like, what? I just need milk and eggs. And then you come home with a whole new wardrobe. So, this is true, anyway, sadly. Yeah. No. <laughs> you look good today, by the way. I like it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Which, how many, oh, let's have truth telling moment. How many items that you're wearing today came from Target? Oh, it's me, truth telling moment. Shirt. <laughs> uh, Shirt. My jeans. Yes. And my shoes. Yes. And that's it. Okay. Well, I got another pair of shoes up in the room. Okay. So okay. you probably own them, so I don't even tell you. It's true. 
Okay. How about you, Hunter? Are you wearing any Target today? I'm not wearing any Target, but I do need help navigating the aisles for sure because <laughs> okay. I've spent way too much money yeah. there. And it's also really hard to budget at Target because you don't really see everything right. line items yeah. out. So, yeah. yeah. We'd like to thank our tips. sponsor for today, Target. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned a really good thing, Hunter, like being in the aisles. And I think the first journey, the first hurdle is being self-aware. Like to look at our bank account, to have a budget, to be able to ask, why am I buying this in the first place? Do I really need this other thing? And it's a simple question, but sometimes it can get at heart issues that are more important or just that we just love having stuff. And, but we don't love living in the boundaries. Like you can't, you can't have both. Um, and so for me, the first thing that I do, and it's hard, is to really ask myself the question of Elizabeth, do you need another lip color from Maybelline Superstay? <laughs> no, you don't. Your lips do look really good. Oh, thank you, though. Thank you. But it is. It's self-examination. You got some enablers out here nodding their heads at you. They're like, girl, yes. Asking the hard questions so that we can... Because if you don't, aren't aware of how you're spending your money, then you can't do anything to improve in that area. The first hurdle is awareness. How does our understanding of our identity and like how we view ourselves, who we are, if you will, play into our relationship with money and our spending? Yeah, you know, with our identity, again, you know, this idea of ownership versus stewardship, but it also is most of us spend a lot of time on social media. And so we're inundated with the need to live a perfect life, to have what that person has, because we believe that that equates to happiness. And so understanding our identity in Christ means I have value even if I don't live at this certain level. Because we can laugh and talk about clothes, but there are a whole bunch of things that we might be encouraged to spend our money on because we want, we believe I'm not valuable until I look like that, until I have that car in my driveway, I have that kind of house, I have that kind of life, um, and our value and worth is in the Lord. And that's countercultural and really difficult to push against that cultural current, but it's I belong to the Lord and my value comes through him. And so I can say no to this, or I can say yes to participating in this because I'm furthering his mission. What I have should ultimately be used to give glory to the Lord. And do I have space to do that? If someone asks me to give to support missionaries, do I even have the space and money to do that? And a lot of times we're holding on or using things that ought to be used for uh, the work of the gospel. We know you guys are loving this conversation with Elizabeth and Jen. And because of that, we want to tell you about another sponsor that helped make this episode possible. Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing, they're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving Word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. That's so good. Do you guys have any like passages that you reference or that you think of that come to mind 
in relationship to this topic, like biblical passages? Um, yeah, I have brought my phone up here so I would remember the one I wanted to say. The one that always stands out to me the most is um, Proverbs 30, 7 through 9. Um, Two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. Rem- remove far from me the false remove far from me falsehood and lying. And then this is where we get to it. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. So that's like a long way of saying, give us this day our daily bread. Mm -hmm. And so I think about that a lot because I think that we can, um, we can glorify poverty and we can glorify wealth and we ought to do neither. We ought to recognize uh, my dad, the one who grew up really poor would always quote Minnie Pearl. I've been poor and I've been rich. Rich is better. Like he's not 100% wrong on that. We, we should not say that it's noble to be poor. We should look at those who don't have what they need and we should want to make sure that they do you know, those of us who have more than our daily bread. Um, but also on the wealth side of things too, like, I don't know if you've had this experience, but I have met some really wealthy people who were disappointingly normal and grounded. Like I kind of needed to tell myself that anyone who had a lot of money was just a hollow shell of a human being. And that's not true. And so I think for those of us who do have more than we need, there's a real call on us to stay grounded and to recognize there are challenges no matter which side of the middle you fall on. Um, And there is a way to glorify God, whether you don't have enough or you have too much. But very few of us will fall in that sweet middle space where we have just what we need. And so that means we have to think through how we will relate to others and to the Lord. For me, uh, it is Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. And so this verse is a point of encouragement for me when it comes to money. Because if someone were to look in my life, to look in my bank account and my habits, what story am I telling them about what I love and what I value? And I want to tell a story that says I value the Lord. And so that's, I love telling the story about DTS. Because people are like, you did what? (laughs) But I get to tell the story about how God showed up in my life and how God provided. And faith is a muscle. And he gave me an opportunity to use that muscle and has given me plenty of opportunities to do it again. But it's how how is my life, the way I'm using what he's given me, ultimately pointing towards him. I think you have exercised that muscle, too, again and again. It's really cool to see you growing in that, even with your recent change. For those of you who don't know, Elizabeth was on staff at the Village Church and has recently kind of branched out to do her own thing. So it's cool to see how God has prepared you for what he has prepared for you. But also come back if you want to whenever you're ready. <laughs> I miss you too, Jen. Uh, so what are some like heart level questions or maybe like biblical barometers that help you discern where am I at in my own personal relationship with money? Maybe questions that you ask yourself, things that you think about, that type of stuff. Oh, gosh. Okay, so I never thought that I would be in full-time vocational. I never thought anyone would pay me one penny for anything ministry-related. And so now to be in a place where I receive income as a result of doing things that I would have done for free 
is such a conflicting place to be in, and it's been an opportunity, you know, to be generous. Um, but it's also done things like put my kids through school, you know, where I just, I can't even believe that that happened. We, we did not have a plan for four kids in college at the same time. Like we had whatever plan we could hack together. And so it changes the way that I think about work, you know, as soon as it's a source of income. And I, I, I'd gone through the phases of my life where like I stayed at home with the kids and none of my work was compensated or I worked part time and financially compensated. And then where I worked part time and received some compensation for that. And, and so I, I think that d depending on your stage of life, you know, you can, you can think about this from different vantage points, but I wish that, um, I wish that I knew better how to value my work in terms of money because it just feels strange to me. Um, and maybe, I don't know what's wrong with me because of that. People should get paid for what they do, right? Um, but then my husband, I feel like he didn't work through the same set of questions that I did. You know, he's like, yeah, people should pay you for stuff. You know, his joke is like, I funded Jen Wilkin Ministries for 20 years while you were, which is true. It's not, actually not a joke. He did. <laughs> he totally did. So he's like, so I'm super happy that you have benefits now. Uh, and so, yeah, I think we have to recognize that money can be either a blessing or a curse, depending on where our hearts are. Um, and, and I think among Christians, sometimes we're like, well, you shouldn't worship money. It's, that's right. But that's, a, that's like one of those statements where we're like, you shouldn't worship your kids. Well, right. But I love my kids a whole lot and I need money to live. And so the question is not eliminating those things from your life. It's how do I love the Lord through them instead of in spite of them or, you know, um, or, or how do I, or in place of them. Yeah. For me, the mind space I'm in currently is kind of what story am I believing in? Uh, what am I being fed uh, that is value, told that it's valuable that's not? Um, or what kind of overall reality am I supporting that I don't really want to support? And this is what I mean by that. So I was uh, driving and I saw a delivery truck of a company we would all know. And on the side, it, it was just really witty marketing. And it said, uh, choose two low prices, and quick delivery. And I was like, oh, that's really witty. But then I was like, you have a third option that you're not mentioning. Because in order for me to get my stuff at a really low price and really fast, what suffers? And usually it's people. What are the hidden costs of the things that we use our money for? And this is not to shame anyone for what we do, but it's like, what am I participating in? And for me, that's a really important thing because a lot of times we don't see that cost, but it matters because it relates to how I view image bearers and the dignity of life. Um, and so alongside of, you know, comparison and, and I really want what that other person has because I think it makes me more happy. Man, am I promoting something that values the things I should value as a believer or am I participating just passively in a system that actually is taking away from those things? Those are really good uh, questions for thought. You know, we recently made a move from New England to Northwest Arkansas, and I was talking to you guys about this beforehand, and I've really struggled with contentment in and through this move. It's funny, because I've moved a lot, and I thought I would be good at this by now, uh, but one of the things that I do when I'm wrestling with contentment is try to find a way to find something that will help me be content instead of turning to the Lord, and so I've really seen this in my spending, because it's like, oh, I'm not content, but I can go to Chick-fil-A instead of like making dinner or, you know, that type of thing. So what are some of the heart issues like contentment or in that vein? 
that we might actually be struggling with, but we see symptomatically as money problems? Uh, well, gosh, I mean, I think it can be a source of comfort. Like, you know, if you're wound up, it's almost like the way that people will um, eat their feelings. You can spend your feelings too, right? Uh, and then it never feels good afterwards, but there you are with all the receipts. So uh, I do know like the more, I don't know if anybody else felt this, but like during COVID and you couldn't leave your house, but things could show up on your front door. And also you were in this house that you hadn't paid a lot of attention to and you're like, oh, there's a lot of stuff I could really do here. And, and then just thinking, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't, you know, and that whole like the idea is more coming to my doorstep than is going out. Like, is there, what's, what's, what's the net net of everything that I'm consuming? Um, and I think we just think it's going to purchase us, you know, peace of mind or stability. Um, and man, it doesn't. I think uh, on the other end of the spectrum, really what it could be is fear uh, mm -hmm. and that we hold on to things because we fear well, what happens if I don't have enough. And the reality is you don't know what's going to, you don't know what's going to happen in the next 20 minutes, even though it's on your schedule, uh, <laughs> is that God is fully in control. And what that means is we have to live like he is in control. And when he leads us to make a decision that's, that on paper looks like if I do this, I'm not going to have enough that we trust the Lord to make it up because it all belongs to him anyway. And it's, do I live in such a place that I need the Lord? Like if someone was to look at my finances and not in a space where I'm spending frivolously, but is there a place where we can tell you live on faith by the way that you steward your finances, or we can tell you don't need God at all because you have all the reserves that you need. And again, that's wisdom. Everybody's situation is different, but how am I not walking in fear, but faith when it comes to how I manage my money? That's well said. Well, what about, you know, just some things that Christians will do distinctly different because they are Christian in the way they manage their finances? Jen? I do think it is as unique as your own family and your own bank account, but I do have this distinct memory of our, so we lived like in the suburbs, you know, pretty typical suburban setting, and our kids became little comparison monsters for a while because they're like, hey, uh, those people who live across the street in basically the same house we're in, why do they have a boat and take fancy vacations, and we are over here drinking water instead of sodas when we go out to restaurants, Right. And I'm like, well, soda's bad for you, P.S. Um, but, uh, but, you know, we had to, it was a good teaching moment. We were able to say to the kids, hey, we, we're making different choices with our money. You know, at the end of the year, we're going to give money to all of those organizations that you know about. Uh, you know, because we would sit the kids down at the end of the year and, you know, be like, okay, where do we want to give money? Uh, and other families don't make the same decisions that they do. Uh, and, and that's okay. We're not responsible for their decisions. We're responsible for ours. But, you know, given the choice to take the vacation or, or give to this uh, organization, we're going we're gonna to go with the giving first. And if we get to take a nice vacation, that's great. Um, and so everybody has to make their own set of choices. And I think it's important that you get your priorities clear as soon as you can, because our kids could tell you, they could tell you what our priorities are, right? It's, it's, it's our church, it's our family, and it's the vulnerable. Those are our, those are our choices with our money. Um, and so that's where you're going to see the decisions being made. And, and then, you know, every, and then 
occasionally you do something for fun if you have the means to and you don't sweat it. It doesn't have to be like as, as Mary Kate, my daughter, will say, it's not what you do every day. It's what you do most days, right? So there might be the day where you do, do go just do something extravagant. Um, but for the most part, your decisions are guided by two or three guiding principles. And if you don't have a plan, you know, then you know how it is. It's all just going to start to to vanish into weird spaces. You know, I think it's kind of easy to have these conversations in the context of our own families, but what I've found is that it's really awkward to try and talk about this with other people because you're thinking about, well, how much might you make? And, you know, there's just all this comparison that's going on. And it's really an issue of discipleship, right? So, and obedience to the Lord. So, how do you begin to incorporate conversations about stewardship, financial stewardship, et cetera, in your discipleship relationships? You know, for me, uh, the conversation of financial stewardship really is a conversation about wisdom. And so as I'm talking to different people, you know, you're not trying to ask them, okay, show me your bank statement. I want to see where you gave your money to. How many target trips did you take? Look them up on Zillow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> but it is, what does it mean for us to, to be wise with what God has given us for the purposes of the gospel? And that usually is a good opening conversation for me of what's happening at our church, what missionaries might be coming through, um, what is it like for us to give to the church. I'll talk to people a lot of times that struggle in giving to the church um, for various different reasons, but how are we using our, our, what God has given us to support the mission, the mission of what the church is doing? And so that usually is a good place for me to start so it's not awkward and too intrusive, but it's like how can we steward uh, God's resources to really give to the vulnerable or to further the work of the gospel? you have anything to add? I just want to tell you a sweet story. My mom passed away in January. We were talking about um, this. And so um, I'm the executor of her will, which is so ironic because as I pointed out, I don't want to think about money at all. And so I'm like, she's, this is like a passive aggressive joke that my mom is playing on me from the great beyond. Um, And um, so all of her mail is being forwarded to the house. And first of all, she was so thrilled. My mom lived so carefully with her finances and wanted so much to leave money for my kids. And so I know she's, even though we would rather have her with us, she is somewhere just thrilled that the kids are going to get, you know, a little pile of cash that they can use in ways that will be responsible to their futures. And But the other thing, so, you know, family and church and the vulnerable, right, um, I keep getting these things in the mail because all of her mail is forwarded to her house and it's all of the organizations that she had been sending money to faithfully through the years to support. And so I just thought, gosh, she gave a legacy to us of her own generosity. Uh, and, and so I just wanted to pass that on to you that, you know, the, the people who are in your sphere of influence, are, they are definitely watching. Like, it's not a surprise. Every time we get a new thing in the mail from whatever organization she was giving to, we just smile and we're not surprised at all because that's how she lived her life. And that's what I think is I want to be characterized by that. Like, when I'm not around anymore, that everybody would be like, well, of course. Of course that's where their money was going. You know, of course that's who was benefiting from them. And so, anyway, just been a sweet personal thing recently around money. Elizabeth, do you have any examples of people who just kind of epitomize what it looks like to steward money well, just in either friends that you have or mentors that you've had in the past? You know, for me, it probably would just be my family, um, that I have a love of giving to different missions organizations because that's what I saw modeled for me. You know, when it comes to being able to walk on faith with our finances, that was modeled for me. Um, And so 
my family is probably one of the biggest influences to me seeing people do it well and being like, I want to leave a legacy like that. I'm really encouraged and challenged. It's like the people who are closest to you, you know, they have such access to these things that do tend to be more private in our culture. And yet what an impact that can have on them, even if you do it without words. Um, What encouragement do you have for those of us who feel like they're in my boat where they're just not very good at this? Like, do you have any encouragement or words of advice or counsel for those of us who just kind of feel like we're constantly failing? I would say one, it's okay. We all are on a journey to be in a better place with the Lord. And so the beautiful thing is your identity in Christ is not connected to how well you do this. You have no less value if you're kind of struggling to hold the pieces together. Uh, The second thing is that the Lord is here to help and to provide the resources, even the level of conviction that we might have of, okay, I need to do better in this area, is the Holy Spirit guiding us. And so that we would uh, respond to that, but respond to it with the love and grace that is given to us by the Lord. That we wouldn't feel shame, but we would feel encouraged to say, man, I can do better for this, and the Lord will help me along the way. I would say you got to know your own limits. You know, you got to know your own strengths and weaknesses and know um, whether, whether it's true of you or not that it doesn't hurt to look right? Just sort of like, oh, I'm just going to sort of browse through this. And to know the effect that Instagram has on you or doesn't have on you, you may not be that drawn in by those platforms or, or, or by online shopping or whatever. But if you are, then you need to set some boundaries for yourself around how you're inflaming those desires that you have. Um, and then another thing, I think, since it's not just that we're in a consumeristic culture, but we have such ease of consumption um, where you just, you know, like you say it and uh, Alexa hears it and it shows up on your front doorstep when you don't even remember ordering it. Um, I think about how a few years ago I was in a conversation with um, Jen Michelle. I think she's here at the conference. Uh, She's so wise. And she was talking about her word for the year. And I always kind of like roll my eyes word for the year because it's always like, um, uh, blessings, or, you know, it's like something, it's never like, repent, um, and, <clears throat> which is fine. I, I'm, I'm snide and cynical, and I probably need repent for my word for the year, and she, she said that her word for the year was hesitate, and I thought, oh, shoot, that is really, really good, and I think about that with regard to purchasing, like, what if we just hesitated, like, take a minute, ask yourself, what are you feeling right now? Why are you feeling it right before you hit that button to deliver it? Like, what are you hoping for? Um, How are you going to feel about this six months from now? Like, just have some questions that you ask yourself. And, you know, that principle in the scriptures that those who are faithful with little will be entrusted with much, I think we sometimes underestimate the significance of changing small consumption patterns on how our larger financial picture would be indicated. And I say that as the chiefest of sinners. I don't say that as someone who's up here to, to tell you what to do. I'm saying this is something that I know I need. And so I'm wondering if you can relate, but yeah. 100% can relate. And, you know, I think these little built-in questions are going to be really helpful for us all practically as we move forward into the aisles of Target uh, in the future. So feel free to keep like putting those into the conversation. But one thing we love to do at Journey Women is just connecting the good news of the gospel and what God's done for us through his son, Jesus. So how does the gospel really drive us to give generously and to live differently in regard to the way we stewardship, steward our money? 
part of uh, my, I think, time just working with different missions organizations, just came across a term of what it means to hold the rope. And so that God has blessed some of us to go, right, to go to the mission field, to whether it is domestic, international. God has also blessed some of the rest of us to hold the rope that they're kind of going down and it's in Chris's visual image of how it's teamwork in all of us being able to further the gospel to the ends of the earth. And I think about the words of Paul in Philippians, where he celebrated the Philippian church of being able to give so that he could continue to preach about Christ and to show people the way of salvation. And it just is, what's my part in furthering the message of the gospel? I have received something that I have eternal hope for. And so how am I stewarding my current resources to make sure that everybody else gets to hear that same truth? That's good. And I think that what the gospel does is it ensures, it reassures us, it assures us that we have the greatest possession we could ever require. We have it, period. We can't lose it. And that can sound like a church answer a little bit, but I genuinely draw comfort from thinking, I don't, I don't need anything else. Like I have the one possession that I need and it can never be taken away from me. Uh, and then I think that when in light of that, then really the antidote to the discontentment that drives us to the meaningless purchases or to over-purchasing or thoughtless purchasing uh, is is actually a lack of gratitude so often. Like if we made a, a, a discipline of expressing gratitude um, to the Lord and to those that we know for what we do have, it just changes the way that you think about what you don't have. And so that's a, that's a discipline that is related to understanding the gospel. Uh, and I don't just mean, you know, gratitude for my salvation, which is definitely part of it, but like gratitude for the possessions and relationships and circumstances that the Lord has given me and recognizing um, the bounty that I have instead of the thing that I still lack. I love everything that you guys have said today. Are there any kind of things looking back? I know there's so many younger women in the room um, that you would say to yourself uh, as a younger woman, uh, just kind of cautionary words or words of encouragement like, hey, Here's how I would encourage you, Jen, to become the type of woman that you hope to to grow into like your mom one day. Uh, yeah, don't spend money on that home perm. <laughs> Advice to my younger self about money? I don't know. You got something, Elizabeth? I probably, I would say two things. Um, one, get it together. <laughs> doesn't get easier, little Liz. It doesn't get easier. But then the two I would say is it won't make it better. Like you deal with your sadness, deal with your pain, and don't deal with it through trying to buy all the things in the world. Yeah, I think, and this is what I'm going to say, I think I've tried to live out of not just in the realm of money, but in all things, is that for the believer, our mentality is not scarcity, but abundance. It's not scarcity, but abundance. And, and so um, we, we live out of the fear of the Lord, not the fear of loss of other things, right? And, and uh, I think that when you have rightly placed fear, um, it allows you to live from a place of abundance instead of scarcity. And so when it comes to money, I think um, thinking about how much I have to give and how much I have received instead of how much I have to lose and how much I still want is, is just a, that's a Christian, Christian mindset. How have you seen God richly provide for you in maybe a season 
that you were experiencing lack or in a way that was unexpected? Oh, we definitely were not going to be able to send kids to school. I mean, like we were, but they were going to end up with student loans or working their way through, which totally would have been fine. I mean, we would have, you know, we would have gotten through it. But like we had four kids in four years. And so, like, we got the estimate for college tuition one year, and it was going to be something astronomical. And, um, and then the Lord provided um, financial income for me through my job at the church. Um, and then also, I wrote Women of the Word, like, the year before my youngest child, my oldest child went to college. And, and I mean, like, I thought maybe 20 of my family members would politely purchase a copy of that book. <laughs> Uh, and so, um, and the Lord just, it was completely unexpected. And, um, and we were really like, we don't know how we're going to get through. We were debt free, you know, when the kids were leaving for college. So the, the plan was just, I was going to by hook or by crook, I was going to get a job job, not a ministry job. Uh, and then the Lord gave me a way to serve our family that was completely unexpected. So, and just, and a real gift. And the kids got to witness that, you know, they knew, <laughs> they knew they were going to be off the payroll one way or the other. So, yeah. And actually now they are. Goodbye, children. Do you have anything? I would say, because I've had some really hard seasons. Um, and so, like, it was just really tight. And the blessing I saw was God bring people into my life to bring the things that I maybe didn't even have the words to ask for. And it could be as small as like a meal, you know, that, hey, can you come over to my house and I can take leftovers? Leftovers are a blessing to every single <laughs> who doesn't have food in the refrigerator. Um, Remember that time I brought you soup? I do. It was good soup. I'm and good I at ate soup. it for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that. Like, it's, it's God showed up with his people and that I got to not just give, but also receive. And sometimes we like to be the person who shows up and saves a day. But then God is able to humble us and say, sometimes you need, you need help too. And I got to see him do that over and over and over again. Yeah, such a neat thing to be dependent on the Lord and then also for the Lord to use his people to provide for us in abundance. And so um, is there kind of any way that you would encourage someone who maybe doesn't have an abundance of resources to consider other ways that they can give of themselves, um, that they can steward the resources that they do have um, for the good of God's people and for, the, for a lost and dying world? Yeah. Our resources aren't just our money, but it's also our time. And that you, we would be people who show up and serve and make space for others, whether it's at your local church, it's in your community, or just your friends. That we're the person that shows up, makes a phone call, checks on people. Is it how am I spending what God has given me? And maybe I don't have the financial resources, but I can do life with you in a really significant way. And not just focus on what I don't have, because sometimes the overflow comes when we are able to get out of our space and go with, be, be with other people. That's good. I don't have anything to add to that. I love that. I do think, you know, calendars and wallets are where we look when we want to ask, am I serving the Lord from, in, out of my bounty or from a scarcity place? So, yeah, that's really good. Well, as we close, I'd love to just hear, you know, if someone's dealing with shame in regard to this area, how would you encourage them to take an honest inventory of their time, take an honest inventory of their budget, their bank account, um, and just move forward, like prayerfully and humbly, uh, in dependence on the Lord from the gospel, uh, trying to humbly engage with money problems in their life? 
No, I was going to say, I don't think this is something that we often intuitively think, I should get help from someone who knows what they're doing, you know, but like, you should get help from someone who knows what they're doing. There are lots of people out there who are helping with these kinds of issues. And, um, and so like in the same way that if you were sick, you would go to the doctor, you know, like you could say, hey, this is something I just keep doing wrong. There's someone who knows how to do this better than me, and I'm going to go seek some help. Um, because really, I think we just think, gosh, I'm supposed to know how to do this. Like everybody else has a checking account and a debit card, and why am I the one who keeps messing it up? Well, maybe there's some disconnect in the way that you're processing things that someone can point out to you and give you some tools that would make a really quick fix. Uh, maybe it's deeper seated issues. Some of us need to go to straight counseling for this, like because it's not about the money, it's about something else, right? Um, but I think to just continue doing the same thing, hoping it's going to get better, is not going to be a solution. And a lot of churches even have people who they can put you in touch with who can help with this kind of thing. I would say face it uh, and to just pull out the bank statement, to look at what you have online, and start um, acknowledging what it is. Because again, we might be afraid of it, but if you don't look at it, you can't move forward. When it comes to help, the budget nista, budget nista is someone, she's online, and she just helps people learn how to budget, and it's really great stuff. There's a lot of stuff on YouTube and on social media where people are giving away free information to help you learn how to manage your money better. But I would just say, look at it with the Lord, get help, and change happens slowly one thing at a time. And so if you make all these good goals and then you don't accomplish those goals in, in one particular point in time, don't be discouraged. Keep moving forward. You will be a different person with your money this time next year than you are right now if you just incrementally try to do better through the lens of the gospel. I hope all of you guys hit the bookstore before this conversation because... <laughs> <laughs> But truly, thank you for having the humility to engage this. And I just hope that moving forward from here, you'll be able to have conversations with mentors and friends who you've come with uh, that would just lend itself to these deeper conversations about what's really going on in your heart. That's the source of, you know, the money problems that you're navigating. And then also talk about God's provision and how he has richly provided for you and share just evidences of his faithfulness to you in this area. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Journey Women podcast. It's been a joy to have all of you with us today. We pray that this conversation compels you, just like it did for me, to take an honest look at your finances to see how you can best steward what the Lord has entrusted you with. Our hope is that in doing so, you would come to rely more deeply on the Lord as your provider. We're so grateful for all of you who have joined us in examining your blind spots in our current series, and we cannot wait to share next week's episode on legalism with you. It's one of my favorites to date. Hey, if you've been enjoying this series, please just take a second and leave a rating and review or share it with a friend. Your shares and reviews really do help get the podcast into the hands of other women who might find it helpful as they journey to glorify God. We are so grateful. This episode was edited and sound designed by the team at Sound On Studios. You can find out more about their work at soundonsoundoff.com. We are so grateful for them and for you. Can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week. Have a great week.